so one thing I couldn't help but talk about tonight, and I generally don't love talking about broadcasters uh, not being good because I look, I, I I do that. Like I I'm a play by play person, and I would feel not great if somebody uh, clipped out. You know, some of my lesser work and aired it and ridiculed it, but uh, I'm going to do it anyways because it was just, you know, it was just really bizarre. So this is the uh, this is the final minute of the Super Bowl, and this is from CBS, which, by the way, as we told you earlier, most watched Super Bowl ever, up 10% from last year. This is what the final minute sounded like. It's the end of the first quarter, and you move to the second quarter. That's right, because I can only feel the number of people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes swings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it. And in overtime, he is the best. He is the standard when Michael Jordan wins it again. All right. There's two parts to this. First of all, very awkward to be talking about when a team is lining up to potentially win the Super Bowl. You're talking about how it's the end of the quarter, not the end of, like, they don't have to hurry. He's trying to explain the game situation. Like, people don't know. And, look, there probably are people that don't know because even players in the 49ers said that they didn't know the overtime rules. So, look, I can kind of forgive that, but when a team's maybe about to score the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, maybe you back off just a little bit and and sort of let the drama build without trying to be a teacher in that moment. Anyways, that's not really that big of a deal. Nance absolutely murders that call. That is one of the all-time best calls ever. I mean murder in a good way. One of the best calls ever. In Las Vegas, Kansas City jackpot. Like it's the end that, of the like, first listen quarter. Listen to this again. Move to the second quarter. That's right cuz I can only feel the number of people out Not there Romo. being like that, that, this was What's tough. going on? First and goal. Mahomes swings it. Perfect. I don't know why Romo's talking still in the background either. You can hear him say, for the Super Bowl, in the background. He's talking in the background while Nance is is delivering the game-winning call. And then he starts to break down the play. This is the Andy Reid special. Uh, they motion, and they they get him out. And like he's Wait for the replay. To start talking about it. I, I I don't understand why he felt the need. And you know Nance just had to be beside himself. An all-time great call. A legendary call. One that will be replayed 
for decades and decades to come. And Romo ruins the entire call by by starting to break the play down without replay. Your job is when they show the replay, then you start talking about it. You don't break, and he starts talking about how they they went and Hardman left and they got him back and he's the Michael Jordan, uh, you know, Mahomes, and finally a game-winning overtime drive. He just started rambling at the worst possible time to start rambling. I mean, the guy I thought his first year was the best color analyst in sports. I thought he was the I thought he was better than Herb Street, who I think is great, Collinsworth, who is amazing. I thought he was the best color analyst maybe in all of sports. Van Gundy obviously was really good too. I thought I thought Romo that first year he was the best. I thought, man, they have found, they have struck gold with this guy. And they gave him huge, huge money. And I hate, I, again, I don't like being critical of guys, but this guy's also making like a million smackers a game. So he's at CBS, like, you know, you, you kind of open yourself up there. It was honestly an embarrassing way for that last play to be called. It it was embarrassing. This is how it sounded on radio, which, by the way, you could have heard here on 93.7 The Fan. First and goal at the three. Kevin Harlan here. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front. Receiver in motion. Low snap. He runs and he throws. Caught. Touchdown. It's caught. Hardman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. The entire bench empties. Chasing Mahomes in the end zone. Their third Super Bowl in five years. The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It is a dynasty. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. 48 seconds. You know what you never hear there? The color guy interjecting. Because you know why? Because Kevin Harlan, by the way, the radio play-by-play goat right there. That guy, unbelievable. The the I don't even know who the color guy was with Kevin Harlan. Do you know, Joel? I, I wasn't listening. I would have to... taken a guess, Kurt Warner, probably. Yeah, that's probably right. He does a lot of radio for Westwood. Doesn't say a word. Because it's Kevin Harlan describing the moment and the crowd describing the moment on TV. That's what you need. And Romo, honestly, I I thought he ruined the the call. And I'll be honest, and and this isn't just me saying this. I was at a Super Bowl party last night, and a lot of people kept saying, like, why is he talking so much? It's okay to not say something every now and then. But it, it was, there was more... There was probably twice as much Tony Romo talking as Jim Nance. And it was it was bizarre. There were times where he was just going on these tangents talking and I'm thinking is he okay? Like is he is he well? I mean because it was just strange. 
it was very, very strange, I thought, Romo's entire presence there. And, like, it's a shame because Greg Olson's getting bumped out of Fox or whatever. They're they're bringing Brady in. And, look, that's that's the way the industry works. It, it sucks, but that's how it goes. And, and I don't love Olsen. I think he's a little bland. But, good Lord, I was praying for him over what we heard from Romo last night. Right, there were people at my Super Bowl party who just kept saying, I, I, I don't want to listen to this guy anymore. And I thought he was the best. And he very, very quickly, I think, went from the best color guy to the absolute worst. To to being really hard to listen to. I should have turned on the fan. I could have listened to it on Westwood One and got Kevin Harlan and whoever he was working with. I don't know. Because I listened to 48 seconds and the color guy knew, hey, this is not a moment where you interject and start breaking down the play. We don't, we don't need that right now. Especially on TV. You really don't need it on TV. You can see what happened. You don't need all of that mumbling that we got from Romo. Weird. It was weird. I I don't think he's a bad guy, but, man, whatever he did the first time around, he has gotten really, really far away from that, unfortunately. And it's it's tough to watch and listen to now. Uh, Let's uh, grab a call here, 412-928-9370. Anthony in Pittsburgh. Hi, Anthony. Hello. Um, I'm a first-time caller, and I listen to you all the time. Thanks, man. I'm 12 years old, but I wanted to talk to you about um, Michael Penix Jr. He, I don't really think we need to trade TJ Watt. I think we pick up Michael Penix Jr. because he's projected to go in the second round. What do you think about that? First of all, Anthony, you're 12 years old. What are you still doing awake listening to this show right now? It's 10:15, man. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, I, I listen to you all the time. Yeah, you're sneaking it in, right? You're sneaking in a little radio late at night. I like it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, well, let me address what you said, Anthony. And thanks for listening, man. I appreciate that. That's great. Um, here, here's the deal. I, Michael Penix is, is really intriguing to me. Except for the injury side of him. This is a guy who I believe, what, twice, twice has, has blown out his knee. Shoulder thing, got the ribs thing in the championship this year. I and that's at the college level. I think he's six foot three, but he looks small to me. He looks thin and he looks and appears to be very injury prone. And and the last thing the Steelers need is, dare I say, another injury prone quarterback. Because right now, Kenny Pickett, I think. I think beyond Kenny Pickett's play on the field, the thing that concerns me more is is the injuries. I I I, I truly do think that Pickett can be salvaged from a play standpoint, but the injury side of thing has me worried. It really does. It, it it has me thinking that even if he does get to a decent level of play. It might not matter because I don't know that he can stay on the field for long periods of time, and, and that might end up hurting him. Let's grab a call from Scott in oh. Chester, PA. Hi, Scott. Oh, hey. How are you? I'm good, Scott. What's going on? Well, I disagree with you. On what? Well, I thought Tony Romo's brilliant. Why is that? 
because he is. I just thought, and I thought the call at the end was brilliant. I mean, that's his job. His job is to do that, and and it didn't bother me. I think Tony Romo is way better than Jim Nance. Are you saying because Jim Nance said jackpot, he's brilliant? Oh yeah, I, I I thought I thought it was an iconic way to call that touchdown. Absolutely I brilliant. Thought, I think Tony Romo is great in the whole game because he played. Tony Romo's a football player. What does that Jim matter? Jim Nance is not a football player. Jim Nance plays golf. That's his sport. Yeah, but Jim Nance Tony is the play-by-play Ro- guy. He doesn't need to have played football. He's telling you what happened on the field. Pretty much no just, play-by-play broadcasters were, were players. You know that, right? I just disagree with you. I thought Tony Romo was brilliant, even the last call, because that's what he did. He described the play. Why was that guy so Yeah, but you were able open? to watch I, the play, Scott. You you Why saw the play this? happen. Why did you need him to immediately start talking about what? Couldn't he have waited for a replay and then break down what happens on the replay and let you sort of enjoy the atmosphere of the celebration, the crowd, and then break down the play once the replay started? Well, <laughs> we all have different opinions. My opinion is. Why was he so wide open with six seconds left and they scored a touchdown? He broke it down, which he did sure. the whole game. Sure, and, That's and, why he's so good, because he played. He was a quarterback, and that's why he's so good. He breaks down plays. So, But you're saying what everyone's saying. I saw in the paper they're saying Romo over-talked this. I mm-hmm. disagree with everybody. Okay. Well, that's your opinion, Scott. Appreciate the call. I, uh, I I think you're wrong. Simple as that. And I think the majority of people out there probably think you're wrong as well because it's not aesthetically pleasing to have a guy start mumbling semi-incoherently about what happened on a play when you're not even able to watch it again. Wait for the replay. I have no problem with him breaking down the play. If he wants – if what he said happened – you know, 30 seconds later over a replay of it? Sure. But Nance nails the call, and you you got to let it breathe a little bit. And I, I, th- I thought he ruined I thought he ruined one of the all-time great calls in NFL history by Jim Nance. I'm not the world's biggest Jim Nance fan. I, I think he's very, very good and has been for a very long time. I think Ian Eagle is the best the best play-by-play guy in the business, and I think Mike Tirico is probably number two in there as far as TV work goes. But Jim Nance is is very, very good. And I thought he had an iconic call probably in the later stages of his career now at this point, an iconic call on a game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, and Tony Romo destroyed that entire call by what he said afterwards because it was just ill-timed and and all over the place. He went from talking about the play to them getting Hardman, McCole Hardman back to Mahomes in overtime and a, orchestrating a winning drive and how that was important to Mahomes being Michael Jordan. Uh, he, he touched on four different topics in like 15 seconds. And it was just awkward. Very, very awkward. But, hey, Scott liked it, so that's fine. We agree to disagree. Take a quick break, and we come back. Some final thoughts uh, here tonight, As uh, then we'll get it off to the nightly sports call. I'm Josh Roundtree. It's a fan evening show. 
You know, something I wanted to get into tonight that just kind of slipped my mind throughout the uh, course of the show, but we got about six minutes left, so I'm going to get into it now. Uh, the city of Pittsburgh is, and this is the, uh, uh, I don't know, what are they called? The sports authority people or whatever. The people that are in charge of you know, stadiums and things like that. We pay taxes to them, what have you. And this isn't a political thing. I'm not a political person in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, and, you know, I, I understand this is how things go, but um, they're paying $90,000 to figure out if we can support an NBA team here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> They could have given me half that, and I could tell them the answer. It's no. We can't. We won't. It's not going to happen. And, and, and look, there's there's kind of numbers to back this up here. First of all, look, look. if they want to go get an NBA team here in Pittsburgh, good with me. More sports, the better for the sports guy. I'm cool with that. Like, I would love an NBA team here. Sounds awesome. The question is, can Pittsburgh actually support Another pro sports team. Here's the problem. We're not exactly supporting the pro sports teams we already have. Steelers attendance has dropped off over the last decade. It has slipped. Part of that is an NFL-wide issue. A lot of that is due to the comfort and luxuriousness of our homes and being able to watch on TV. Part of that is things like red zone, fantasy football, what have you. So, NFL attendance has dropped. Um, Penguins attendance. They went out and got Eric Carlson this year. Now, look, I know they haven't been good. I get that. But they went out and got Eric Carlson this year. Attendance hasn't been great. Uh, They had their, uh, what was it, 2021, I believe it was, their sellout streak ended. And they had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang all here Generational Hall of Fame talents, they weren't selling out. Turns out, they can really only make substantial profit from what we have heard if they make deeper playoff runs. Okay. That building is, is you know, a fourth empty some nights, and some nights even worse than that. Um, The Pirates, well... Look, I mean, they have struggled to win. I think that's their biggest issue. And when they were really, really good, it did start to fill up a little bit. But I think overall what we have seen here is that this is not a town that is necessarily um, economically and more than probably that, just generally interested in having a pro sports team here. Uh, There's – you know, disposable income to go around. And I think on top of that, there is also the uh, corporate side of things, sponsorships, uh, suite sales that that really, you know, we talk about ticket sales and people showing up to games and things like that. And and that makes up a portion of, of what these companies generate revenue-wise. Revenue but the real money comes from the corporate side, suites, advertisements, things like that. That's where they really make their hay. That is where if you go to front offices, if you work in front offices, that is where they really start to pay attention to uh, the, the financial side of things. And that's where they really invest their attention is groups, suites, advertising. And I I just – I don't think that there is enough here from a city size TV market and general interest standpoint – 
to support an NBA team. As much as I would like one, I don't see it. Pittsburgh would be the smallest TV market, the smallest market out there to have four pro sports teams. It would be the smallest. And the smallest by a pretty good margin. All right? The smallest uh, city right now from a metro population standpoint, not just confined to the city limits, a metro population standpoint, the smallest city to have four pro sports teams is Denver, Colorado, and they have about three. Uh, they have about uh, three million people right now living in Denver Metro. Pittsburgh's about five hundred thousand people less than that, and it just doesn't. They'd be the smallest TV market, the smallest market by metro population. We're, we're not exactly doing a great job of supporting the three teams that we have right now from an attendance standpoint. And now you want to add another option for people? On top of all of this, I can tell you right now, internally, the Penguins would fight to the death to keep an NBA team away from Pittsburgh. Their attendance is suffering enough. The last thing they want to do is to have a sports fan base now start to pay attention to a team that plays in their arena. Another team, pro team that plays in their arena. They would fight it in a major, major way. And I would happen to think that probably the other pro teams in town wouldn't exactly be thrilled about it either. Colleges shouldn't be thrilled about that. You're taking away people and putting them somewhere else. I don't think that you're going to find a lot of people that are very happy about it, at least not not as many as that would be happy about it, so to say. But maybe we can talk about that more Saturday. I'll be on from 9 to 11. Uh, Saturday morning here on The Fan. So I look forward to talking to you then. That's when you can hear me next. Nightly Sports Call is coming up next. Thanks to uh, to Mike DeFabo and Jeff Hathorne for joining me, to Joel Nelson producing Behind the Glass. Good work as always by, uh, by Nelly back there. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm Josh Roundtree. It's been The Fan Evening Show.